There! We did it. We are now live <laughs> with Faz Radio. We're going to do something a little bit different today since we're running out of time and I didn't want to do a separate green room. We're going to do a green room here, but i got to go change my background. So at the very least, we can show people what the green room is like. And Titan's gone. Where'd you go, Mr. Titan? I bet you hung up. Well, while you're getting back on, I'm going to figure out how we go switch to our green room graphic. Da, 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 da. That's not it. Is that it? I literally cannot find out how to switch the background. What happened with StreamYard? This is weird. We are going to wait for Mr. Titan, though. I can do that. You can't see that. Um, 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 um. Let's see, Mr. Titan has come Did you back. kick me off? No. I haven't even opened my mouth yet. Sorry. I didn't kick you <laughs> off. You kicked you off. I don't know I what happened. The, I can't find the button to change my background. That's kind of weird. I don't. Did you click something for the background and kick me off by accident? You, you left All of a sudden, it, it went quiet. And I'm like, wow, he's awful quiet. Why would he mute right when we start the show? <laughs> and I looked up and I'm like... It's I'm not seeing StreamYard. <laughs> I can't figure out how to change my background because the button seems to be missing. That's really weird. There's usually some buttons at the bottom of the screen. Weird. Okay. I don't I don't have buttons at the bottom. I have the brand stuff on the side. Yeah, there's actually buttons on the Okay, so there is there's a bar on the bottom that I cannot see anything of. There. Did they reach? Okay. I yeah, that's weird. My my uh, my browser. I, I just moved my browser so it would re-render the bottom. Now I can change. It's weird. All right. So um, we're gonna make a abbreviated green room for today. And whoever did that background, um, abbreviated green room today, just to uh, to show what our two dollar a month subscribers get. <laughs> we were talking internet service. Oh yes, I was. I'm I'm moving, and I need to get internet service set up at my new place. And so I'm not sure where I'll be broadcasting from next week. The mystery broadcaster. Yeah. So, um, what do we got today on Faz Radio, Mister Titan? Uh. Tonight is all you. Since last week you were excited to talk about banking and the Fed and where money comes from and what people's interpretation of money is and what it should be and what it could be. All me, huh? So you're just going to sit back and listen? No, I, I actually did quite a bit of research um, because it's been all over the news, right, with the Fed and how money is made. And you taught me how money was made. Um so here's a this, this this just got queued up for us really quick. This is a tweet that I had uh, prepared to go. I, I think I think we we jumped the gun a little bit, um, but <laughs> go ahead, Mr. Titan, finish your sentence, and then we'll go into this tweet. Uh, Faz taught me about money when uh, I was a financial planner. Uh, 
Faz and I used to talk all the time back then. And uh, I was I was a Republican conservative loudmouth who didn't know what I was talking about. And as as much shit as I give Faz all the time, I love the guy and I respect him. And he does make sense with some of the stuff that he says. <laughs> so he tells me he tells me I want you to just do me one favor. Just watch this documentary. Oh, that one. And when you're done watching that documentary, I want you to do the research, and then I want you to call me. And I feel like I feel like that documentary was a bit over the top, but it got the message across. Well, yeah, and and that's a big reason why I left the financial industry. But it it described what money was, how it was created, and then you go look the stuff up. And it's not bullshit, right? They add a little bit of drama to it, of course. It's a documentary. They got to make it fun somehow, right? But they add a little bit of that. But it's true. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. So that changed my entire outlook. Well, maybe you should uh, name the documentary. It It is called The Zeitgeist. And it's a three-part documentary. Uh, it was the, the narrator is a gentleman who goes by Peter Joseph. And uh, they start with a section on religion, but then the the next three quarters of it is all about money. And in the second documentary, it's almost all money. And they talk about the economic hitmen or the, the how countries take over other countries utilizing money. Uh, it's it's fantastic. And, and the third one I didn't like so much. They got a little bit too far-fetched with... Uh, kind of like this 15-minute city thing about how they see the future. Themselves. Yeah, and they, they just went a little bit too far with that. Uh, it's like dysopian in, in, its, in its way. So, But the first two were fantastic. I'd so, highly, highly recommend those to yeah, anybody. Yeah, they, they talk about basically the Federal Reserve, <laughs> why, it, why it was created, what it, what it does, what it's for. And the, the short version of that is... The money that you have, it isn't what you think it is. You think when you have a dollar in your hand that you have, you know, a dollar's worth of value in your hand, but you kind of have this artificial value that's that's being propped up and drained every single day by the government. And it's not what you think it is. And not only that, when you put your money in a bank, you're not actually putting money in a bank. You're not putting your money aside where you can grab it later. What you're doing the moment that you put money in a bank is you're loaning stuff to the bank and they just have a balance sheet with you and you can get that loan back at any point, but you're, you're loaning money to the bank. The bank loans it out to someone else. So that's all fine and dandy until you have something like bank runs and bank crisis, banking crisis, which happened in 2009 and now. <laughs> so this is this tweet here that, that was really to go into this tweet here where they talk about uh, this banking crisis may have been caused by the Fed itself, Federal Reserve. Um, so maybe we should talk a little while we're right here about fractional reserve, because that is something I never fully grasped until I saw that documentary and until I dug way deeper into it after. Well, that would explain this tweet, too. So go for yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's very, very... Um, shady it's it's they you know you see on 
Twitter, these crypto Twitter people will say the U.S. dollar is a bigger Ponzi than any crypto could be. Fractional reserve. We're just going to use round numbers. These aren't the actual numbers, guys, but to get the point across in a reasonable amount of time, I'm just going to use nice round numbers. So if when you take your money to a bank and let's say you have $100 and you put that money into a bank, that goes into their reserve, okay? And how much in reserves the bank has, there's minimums and maximums set by the Fed, that bank essentially is permitted to and fully takes advantage of the Federal Reserve requirements, which means they can loan out up to eight times the amount that they have in reserve. So you're saying if they had $1,000 in reserve mm -hmm. and you put your $100 in, well, let's just, if they had $1,000 in reserve, they can loan out $8,000? Correct. And they they fully do that, right? Well, it, wait, if they if they only have a thousand dollars cash in their bank, how can they loan out cash that they don't have? Because they create the money out of thin air. You mean they just lie? Well, they don't lie. They 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 use the rules to their advantage, right? Because the Fed backs them and says, "Yeah, you know what? There's not going to be." eight other people that are going to want their money all out at the same time. So you can loan out eight times that amount, and that essentially will create money. Um, and everybody wins, right? The person who deposits their money maybe gets 1% interest on that money. The person who takes the loan gets to buy their house, and they pay you know, 5% on their home mortgage, and the yeah, bank wins because they get to collect all that interest on that money that they don't well, actually have to have. Well, wait. Okay, so, and obviously I know this, but I'm saying this for argument's point. I understand. I know um, you're not dumb. <laughs> so... Wait, so if you loan out $8,000 to, to people wanting to buy houses, it's going to take 30 years to get all that, that interest back, right? Well, that's, that's where the whole credit, uh, credit score and credit scheme comes in. They're going to charge you higher interest when you can't pay it back because that's the whole idea behind risk and people's credit. And that's why people who pay their bills get better rates on that loan. And even with a small interest rate loan, you know, over 30 years, the amortization on that, the bank is going to make double what they loan you with a real low interest rate. They're going to make triple on the average interest rate. So if your house is $100,000 and you pay for it monthly, every month, even if you're on time, the, the total loan is going to, what you're going to pay the bank is going to be like $273,000. Okay. Right? Well, what I'm getting, what I'm getting at is if they, they loan out $100 for you to buy a house with, and you know that they're going to get $300 back in 30 years, it means you'll probably get $100 back in 10 years. That still takes about 10 years for this interest to come back. So that's, that means you're you're hoping that in 10 years that eight other people or nine other people won't try to pull their money out of the bank. Well, there's that. Plus, there's what you've probably heard this phrase before, the, the federal funds rate. 
Um, and what happens is, is so that they can maintain these banks, this network of banks, when you're in the federal banking, when you get your banking license, you're part of the club, right? And what happens is, is you can give yourself a, a loan as a bank from other banks or from the Fed at a very low rate, right? So that's like one and a quarter percent, right? And so if those reserves, if people pull out their money, like you're suggesting in your question, people pull out their money at a rate that's a little higher than anticipated, they can get a temporary, like they call them overnight loans, overnight loans, and that they'll charge the bank like 1% for that. And they'll, they'll fill back up that bank's reserves so that they have enough to hold them above that so that they don't go belly up, right? and stay at that that 8 to 1 ratio and have enough in reserves for how much they have loaned out. Well then wait, why does why does uh why is Silvergate Bank and SVB Silicon Valley Bank going out of business? Don't they have enough reserves? Or why why uh, do they take over their banks? I haven't read the articles to find out exactly how that all collapsed. Um there's a variety of ways for a bank to collapse, though. My understanding um, is is that the federal government basically went in there and said, uh, "You guys don't have enough reserves. We're we're going to make you, um, we're going to shut you down, and then make it, and then use your your existing assets to pay off all your outstanding debts." Right. So th that's one of the ways a bank can fail because the federal uh, funds overnight is not a guaranteed thing, right? So if you piss off the the Fed, right, for whatever reason, in this case, it was probably because they were crypto friendly, they, the Silvergate Bank would apply for that overnight loan and the Fed would go, you know what? What you're doing with the money that you've loaned out is not in accordance with what we approve of. And so because of that, we're not going to give you that overnight loan. And because of that, your reserves dip below the, the required threshold because you have $2 billion in outstanding loans. You need to have, you know, uh, $83 million in reserve for that. You only have $60 million in reserve. You need a loan, but we're not going to give it to you. And because of your credit risk, none of these other banks are going to give it to you either. So what we're going to do is we're just going to go ahead and take over what you do have, and we're going to write the ship for you one way or another. And, and in this who... case, they folded it into some others. They, they basically auctioned the bank to the highest bidder. That's why you see in the news, you know, so-and-so bank offered to buy so-and-so bank. They'll, they'll absorb that bank and their assets into theirs and add that to their balance sheet because they have plenty of extra reserves. They can absorb that, that 60 million. Okay. It's, it's a game is really all it is. And it's a balancing act. Well, from what I understand, they're they're going after banks that have crypto assets because they they think that uh, crypto is um, uh, sketchy. Um, so about this tweet again. So a fractional. So Titan here explained fractional reserve banks, and this tweet is about a full reserve bank. A full reserve bank is basically if they have a dollar of actual money in reserve for every dollar that somebody puts in. In fact, they might even have more like a dollar five or dollar and five cents reserve for every dollar that they put in. 
It's really dark there. What'd you do? Uh, I turned off the light. I do it. I leave the light on on Thursdays, but on Fridays I like the lights off because my I have to sit under fluorescent lights all day. My eyes are killing me by the end of the day. Anyway, so apparently the Fed had no problem have no problem giving licenses to uh, uh, fractional reserve banks, but full reserve banks like this Custodia Bank, which uh, actually deals with crypto, they won't give a license to, which means this bank can't fail. If if they have one dollar in reserve for every dollar that they get in, oh boy! So this makes no sense. Oh, can you go back up? It, it makes it makes complete sense. But you'll accuse me of being a conspiracy theorist if I tell you why. Well, your 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 why might go well beyond the actual why, but go for it. Let's see what you have. Well, okay. So the the Fed. And money and the government and all of that, they use money as control, right? It's like Faz always talks about economic levers. So with these fractional reserve banks, they can pull economic levers to get them to do whatever they want them to do, right? And they can guide them in what they can do and can't do, such as whether they accept crypto. Well, why? Because they have a fractional reserve. You've got to keep your reserve. You're going to need a loan from us. You better do what I tell you. Otherwise, you're not going to get your loan. You're going to go out of business. So what's an example of an economic lever? Maybe like interest rate that you charge for a loan or something? Right. And agreeing to the federal funds rate. So you're, you're, they kind of got you by, by the short hairs, right? And it's kind of like, think of it as like a homeowner's association, right? So the bank is part of this homeowner's association for all the money. And when you, when bank goes out and, and says, hey, we're crypto friendly, the, uh, the Karen down at uh, the homeowner's association comes knocking on the bank's door and says, listen, buddy, we don't like you doing that. You know, you're part of this homeowner's association. You, you can't be doing that. And a full reserve bank can slam the door and say, go kick rocks, lady. We'll do whatever we want. You can't control us. Go pound sand. That's how right. it's supposed to be. <laughs> go kick rocks, whatever you do. Or you have this fractional reserve system where they do. The Fed has those banks by the short hair and they'll say, you know what? We, we don't have a choice because if we don't do it, we won't exist. That's why they do that. So the Fed basically wants to be able to control every bank really well. Every single thing. And if you're a full reserve bank, they, they have less ability to control you. Far less. And essentially, almost none, really. Hmm. Okay. Every everything Everything about money is about control, right? So... If you have more money than somebody else, you're going to get your way. You're going to you're going to be able to do things that that person can't. And money equals control in a lot of situations. Countries, right? The we talked about the economic hitmen and stuff like that. On large scales, it's for countries. Countries become indebted to other countries, which then puts them, hey, you don't follow the policies we want you to do. We gave you trillion dollars. You're going to do what we want you to do. Just like this Ukraine thing, right? Why do you think we're giving Ukraine trillions of dollars? 
we're going to have control over something. Now, what that is, that's where we can go off the deep end with the conspiracies. But Well, at, at some point, we're probably going to say, hey, we helped you out during the war. and we there's, have this It's the mafia. Yeah, it's just like the mafia. We're going to do you a favor right now and bail you out with this money. And sometime down the road, we're going to need a favor and you're going to give it to us. And we don't know what that is yet, but we'll figure it out as we go along. Okay, so let's let's talk about some of these favors because uh, one favor, well, uh, we'll use a, another country, say El Salvador, which uses Bitcoin as its uh, as legal tender, or recognizes Bitcoin as a legal tender. Um, apparently, there's an organization that uh, works with them called the IMF. Can you explain <laughs> how the IMF works with El Salvador? The International Monetary Fund. Yes, they are. The, a consider them like a world banking entity like a world fed and when countries need money versus you know like the government giving its states money this is you know el salvador would go knocking on the imf's door if they couldn't pay their retirement benefits and say hey we're having trouble paying our retirees what we promised them can we get a trillion dollars so that we can pay them and the IMF says, yeah, sure, no problem. We're going to have a favor, though, down the road <laughs> that, that you know, we're probably going to ask you, but here's your trillion dollars so you don't look like an idiot in front of your, your countrymen. Well, the IMF probably um, does more than that. They, they probably use it to control what countries can do what when. With trading, right, trading mm -hmm. partners, the whole nine yards. So, right, I'm just using basic stuff. I don't want to give them a college course in economics, but... Um, and, so, and so the IMF actually is one of the people that's kind of pissed off that El Salvador is using Bitcoin as legal tender. No, they're not. Oh, they're not pissed off? They're not pissed off because they're using it as legal tender. They're only pissed off because they're doing so well. <laughs> if they were failing on Bitcoin... They'd be pointing the finger saying, see, I told you so. They're pissed because El Salvador, it was just tweeted out that I can't say the guy's name because it's like, I'll Mukele. butcher it. Mukele, Bukali, whatever it is. He just tweeted yesterday that it, for tech innovations, if you're a person or a company that's doing tech innovations, there is no income tax. There's no sales tax. Your business isn't going to be taxed. He's giving free uh, tax abatement to anybody who will improve technology. They are going to become the next Bahamas? a force. <laughs> they are going to become a force in the world if they if they keep this up because it's going to draw tech in. Right, all these tech companies who want to start uh, crypto businesses are going to f just absolutely stumble over themselves to find a place in El Salvador to do it. And guess what? That jacks up property values. That creates jobs to build these office towers. That I mean, it's this economy as a whole, just from doing something like that, is incredible. So, yeah, they're, they're pissing the world off, the rest of the world off, because they are becoming more and more independent every day. And they're, they're really just going to take their economy right through the roof with this. Well, isn't, isn't uh, this guy Bukele an evil dictator, though? He is. So why would, why would people... According to, to the... 
his country. According to the wicked. reports, right? So you you According never. According to the reports, are you starting yeah. to the guy? No, so, so no, it, I, let's not put it that way. But just like you and I argue offline when I tell you, it, until I see the buggy on the moon myself, I'm never going to believe it. So I, I do try and take that stuff with a grain of salt, right? Because there's someone with an agenda that wants to make people always look worse than they really are, right? The media tries to make Trump look bad sometimes. The media tries to make Biden look bad sometimes. I, I don't know because I haven't studied Bukele enough. I haven't seen what, is, what he did beforehand, so I don't, I don't know, all right? There's that's, reports that well, he was pretty an, shitty to people, yes. That, that's an, an interesting point of view. Um, I, I'm not sure that I could classify uh, that in the same category as uh, believing whether man has gone to the moon or not. It sounds like a conspiracy. Well, we, it, we have ample evidence out there for that, but the, we, we, don't uh, make this, we don't want to make this a channel about conspiracy. No, but I, I was giving you an analogy because, you know, I want to I want to I want to see it and believe it. Give me a documentary on what he did that was horrible so I can see it for myself. Right. Just like if I can look through a telescope and see the Jeep on the moon, I'll believe it. So uh, I I haven't. So I don't know. I'm only going by again. What, what are you are you one reported? of these people that need to see the Earth from orbit yourself with your own eyes before you believe that it's not flat? Correct. So you believe the Earth is flat. Good job. All right. So let's move on. I, I never said that. I said it's possible. Sure. But you know what else is possible? It's Nerd possible node? for you to not have to worry about your nodes. All you have to do is go to nerdnode.io, $25 per month per node, and you will have yourself a stress-free node-owning life. They'll take care of it. Quick and easy setup. They'll walk you through. You get set up. If things go wrong and your node drops off, their staff will make sure they get back up and running. And if there's a problem and Nerd Node can't do it because of something they did, they're going to make sure that you receive your payments anyway. They can't guarantee the outside forces, but they can guarantee their own work. And if those nodes are running according to the a uh, company that is pushing those nodes out and your node's not running, NerdNode will take care of it. NerdNode.io. Go do it before you lose your money. So wait, wait. Have you have you physically verified uh, seeing these these uh, node running machines with NerdNode? Because I mean, I think that we we should follow your flat Earth analogy here. I I can do that quite easily. It's real simple. What's that? You haven't complained. Oh, I haven't complained. <laughs> so, so basically, you don't have to see it with your eyes. You, you instead, you just look and see. I am it seeing it say. with my eyes. I'm looking at you, and you're not complaining that they're hosing you out of money. So well, I know they're you, doing a good job over there. Aren't you coming to where? Uh, Going to be visiting the, the the city in which Nerd Node is being run out of soon. Absolutely, I am coming up your way. You should demand. You should demand a tour of their facilities. That's a good idea. Well, I have no idea if it's possible, but uh, I, I think we should. <laughs> we should at least ask. Well, we're we're going to be. And then when you don't get that tour of the facilities, I want you to say that you do not know if Nerd Node <laughs> is real or not. Now we advertise Nerd Node because we get money from Nerd Node. 
See this? Yes, I'm, I'm flashing it right here. So we appreciate them, and they appreciate us. So, so here's here's the thing. Uh, if if you have an entity that's going to be a shady entity, we'd be hearing about it. We've heard nothing but good things about Nerd Nodes, so I'm confident at this point. I know Nate pretty well. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to rug anybody. Uh, plus, he can't steal your nodes. There's nothing he can do. The worst thing he can do Are you saying is, if, if Nate is shut that, it that, down. So if Nate believes that man has been on the moon and that Nate believes that the earth is round, then you're you're fine with that too? He can believe whatever he wants, just like you can believe whatever you want. What I might not agree with knows, you. What, what if nerd, he believes that NerdNode has servers and, and is real and you don't? I'm just <laughs> then, using, I'm using well, your method. As, as long as you're getting paid, what does it matter, right? So if somebody paid you to believe that the earth was round, you'd be fine with that? No, I'm not I'm that corruptible. I know. I'm not that corruptible. Um, and, and if there was corruption, it would be at a monumental scale. Nothing, mm. nothing small. I don't, I don't sell my, uh, my, my, what do they call that? My, uh, integrity, oh, my integrity. Too. I don't sell my integrity for cheap. All right. So getting back to the banking system, um, it's pretty dry, pretty dry subject. Why would anybody really care about this shit? Well, they, they better care about this shit because number one, crypto, right? Crypto is still at this point in its infancy and still reliant on the financial systems of countries in order to facilitate things. There's not enough adoption to where you can just walk around with your Bitcoin wallet and buy the things that you need. All right. That's part one. Part Are you two. plugging crypto? Part two is that you have uh, paychecks, right, for the working stiffs like us, not all you rich retired people. Um, we have to have a place to keep that money. Uh, so that uh, we can pay our bills and, you know, scrape by and, and eat macaroni and cheese and ramen noodles and all that kind of fun stuff. We, we still rely on that to be able to get us through. Your money? You know, it never was and it never will be, but it's all we got, right? I mean, where else are you going to go? You can get your paycheck in cash every week if you want. Well, they don't even pay weekly anymore. I don't, I don't know anybody who pays weekly. But um, I think that'd be difficult to get your paycheck in cash. I, I bet there's not a law for that. I bet they you'd have to get a bank account. Well, no, you can get a check mailed to you, and then you can go like cash it at like Walgreens or something, maybe. Yeah, hey Joe's cash cash uh, check cashing, but they're going to charge you, you know, twenty nine ninety five to cash that check because they're taking the a, risk. Or you can get a bank account, and you take the risk. That's a, a great point. You don't realize the risk that you take. You explained a little bit earlier, quite fantastically, about how you actually loan your money to the bank. It, it's not really a deposit. They're not just holding it. If you're you loaning it to loan them. to the bank, and you right. deposit one penny, you just un you just loan them one one penny. So here's another another thing that is exactly the same way, right? So People who pay insurance, right, especially like life insurance, right? 
So you you have like let's say a, a universal life policy or something like that, and you put money into it, and you they say okay, it's building cash value and all this kind of fun stuff, and you end up having to take loans out of it, right? And you go, that's that's fucking stupid. Why am I taking a loan? It's my money. It's not your money. As soon as you give it to that insurance company, it is their money. Well, let's explain what insurance isn't. <laughs> well, insurance, <laughs> insurance is basically when you get, that you you're paying them money to promise to give you money back, but they have all sorts of stipulations on how they give it back. And this is this is going to um, dovetail into the FDIC. So I don't know if you have car insurance. And um, you pay car insurance, I don't know, maybe $100 a month or something like that. And you wreck your car. Well, they may not cover the, the entire amount that your car is worth. They'll cover as much as they want to. And, of course, that's all in the fine print. The same thing goes with the FDIC, which is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which guarantees that you get paid back oh. if your bank fails. So if you have $100 in your bank... But the problem with that is it's insurance and it's not a guarantee. They, they, um, when a bank fails, they vote whether they cover that bank's deposits. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a hundred dollars in that bank, and the bank fails. Um, let's hope the FDIC wants, wants to hand you your hundred dollars back. It's all a big shell game. It's move the money here, move the money there and hope for the best. Now, that's not to say that they don't know what they're doing, right? The banks have been going strong since the 1920s, late 1920s, late uh, early 1930s. <laughs> that, that was right? the last time the banks failed, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so there's been hiccups along the way. Every, I don't know, 15 years or so, you'll get this wave of banks that get caught up in this mess and, and fail, you have uh, an auto company about every 10 or 15 years, a big one that'll fail. GM, I think, was the last one that really went under and got that big bailout. I was I was caught up in that. I told my story on one of these FAS radios about that. Um, so it, it happens, right? Uh, everybody's taking a risk. If, if you don't have your money on your ledger... You're even taking a risk with that if you if what's, you lose what's your, your ledger. What do you mean by ledger? Your hardware wallet. Oh, your crypto hardware wallet. Okay. Yeah. So you lose your ledger and your seed phrase. Those tokens are gone forever. Well, it's not gone. They're right there. You just can't get to them. Yeah. Well, so, gone to so you. <laughs> so let's let's make a distinction there because when you have crypto, you own whatever the value of that crypto is. And when you own dollars, you own the value of whatever those dollars are. Now, if you own a crypto like Bitcoin, that value is generally based upon like what everybody's opinion of what Bitcoin is. If you own a dollar, you own you you own what the federal government, the U.S. federal government's opinion of it is. And the U.S. federal government likes to print up additional money. So if you had a dollar sitting under your mattress, under under your mattress. Um, and the federal government decides to print more dollars, your dollar is going to be worth less and less and less. With Bitcoin, they don't print anymore. It's not it's, it's not likely to be worth less and less and less. It's actually more likely to be worth more as time goes on. And so that's a big difference between crypto and dollars. 
Well, we can argue Bitcoin isn't crypto too, but um, well, don't confuse the people. We're just talking about general, <laughs> general well, crypto. All right, so so this is where you and I usually fight because tokens well, if this is, if this are is a green. If this is a green room analog that we're doing right here, then uh, well, yeah, it's kind of a mix. Fight. It's kind of a it's kind of a mix. We're doing of both, both green room and Faz Radio stuff at the same time. So. So it how how is any token, right? A, a gaming token or uh, a SHIB token or anything else, how is that any different than a frank, fractional reserve banking system? It's really essentially the same thing. And things like Dogecoin is just like the US dollar. There's unlimited printing available. There's more being mined all the time. It's constantly having more injected into the system and without a lot of use case there's a lot of tokens sitting around doing a hell of a lot of nothing so it it's not really that that different except there's not a lot of use case for it. so dollars have a lot of use case but the federal government keeps bleeding value out of it and crypto doesn't have a lot of use case and it might have a lot of worth and it could bleed itself out too it everything is you said it beautifully. It's it's only worth whatever you're talking about: gold, silver, dollar bills, pesos, uh, barrel of oil. Anything is only worth what somebody else is willing to pay for it. And if the general consensus is is that a large enough group of people don't want that thing, it's not going to make it. And if they keep printing dollars, nobody's going to want it. You've seen the... But they've been doing it just fine since the 19, 1971. So what's the problem? That's 50 years now. Yeah. The, the problem is is that they printed 31 trillion too many. So well, the, the world's still running just fine. Why, why would I need to worry? Well, why do you need to worry? China and Russia just signed a deal, which part of it says that they will be trading in the yuan now. Aren't they, uh, uh, but, but aren't they, they overprinting their yuan and their rubles too, just like we are? Uh, a little bit, but not quite as bad. Um, you don't see or hear about Russian banks failing yet, even though there's economic sanctions against Russia, their banks aren't failing. They do their banking a little bit differently. But... Uh, China also has the digital one, which is a uh, kind of being used as an economic lever against the physical one. And that has an impact and slows the printing down on the actual Chinese one. So there's, there's levers that can be pulled all over the place. And the oil production, right? Oil trade, the global oil trade is tens of trillions, if not, what comes after trillion? Quadrillions. Yeah, if not quadrillions worldwide. And they typically use the dollar to do that. And it's starting to turn to where these oil producing nations are saying, you know what? We've been using the dollar for this for a very long time, and we're seeing the economy over there take a complete dog shit on the front lawn. Uh, 
So maybe we ought to consider some other currencies to sell our oil in. And when the demand for those dollars goes down, you have this giant pile of dollars out there, and now they're not being used for anything. Okay, wait. Why is why is why is oil being sold in U.S. dollars? Why isn't um, oil being sold in whatever country's uh, currency? Well, it is now. Um, they use the well. That's that that would take the last twenty minutes of this cast. Um, to explain it, but there, if you watch Zeitgeist, it'll, it'll tell you in there exactly why the dollar is the global reserve currency. It was a little shady deal that was made a very well, long time let, ago. Let's 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 first say what a reserve currency is. Uh, the global reserve currency is the U.S. dollar because it's uh, at some point in the past a bunch of countries got together and we all agreed that the U.S. dollar was going to be used. They kind of make transactions easier. Otherwise, you're going to have to convert currencies all the time. Now, the way that the U.S. dollar did it was um, after World War II, um, the United States was one of the only countries left standing almost untouched from the war. And so they had a lot of money and they got to di dictate a lot of terms on how things were done. So they positioned the dollar to in, in, in very strategic ways to be used for trade. So that's why the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency, and everybody sells, buys and sells lots of things using the U.S. dollar. Let me see if I can pull something up. So that, you got to find that, a way to make this more exciting. This is a very boring subject, our producer is saying. Uh, well, Madam Producer, I, I am very sorry that you're bored to death. Um, everybody, this is everybody something else, everybody else would be bored too. I don't, I don't think that a lot of people really like important. to talk about. I don't think a lot of people like to talk about money so and, and how it works. I, I will, I will go through this very quickly. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take and I'm gonna share my screen for a moment. Where's my Streamyard tab? There it is. Settings. Nope, wrong button, dumbass. Present. Screen share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, open system settings. Why do I need to open system? Oh, because I have to allow sharing. Do you know what you're doing? This I'm using Chrome for the first time in this on this uh, Mac. Uh, that one. Okay, share. There we go. You're not sharing it with the, with this cast. Here oh, we there go. we go. Now I got to yeah. control. What do I do on here? I don't know. I think you got it right here. You have a really wide screen, though. Yeah, I'm trying to wait. How do I how do I make it bigger on a Mac? Oh, beats me. Ah, shit. Okay. So anyway, this chart what what you're seeing but can't read is a chart of oil prices. Oil prices throughout history from in 1970 it was $2.96 for a barrel of oil 71 $3.17 72 $3.22 $73 $4.08 then it jumped in 1974 to $12.52 why do you think that was uh because power corrupts what happened in 1971? Well, I, I oh, you think did, you think you think because what did of President Nixon do? 
you, you think because we took the U.S. dollar off the gold standard is what uh, is the reason why the uh, gas crisis of the early 70s happened? That's what where everything went sideways, because here's what happened, right? They went off the gold standard. They could only print money backed by a certain amount of gold. And those reserves, it worked just like the fractional reserve, right? That's where they came up with this genius freaking idea, right? It started back back in the 30s and 40s. They, it was one-to-one -one backed gold. Then they came up with the idea. They said, shit, we can't get our hands on enough gold. We need more money in the system. Let's do this. Let's use the full faith and credit of the United States government. We'll do two dollars for everything for every one gold that we have. I mean, we're good for it, right? We're going to dig up some more eventually. Plus, we're a strong country. It's it's the fifties and sixties. It's an industrial revolution. Oh my God! And then it went three to one and four. Okay, so it started getting there. So in nineteen seventy one. They realized they were at a tipping point. They were like it was with federal, the Federal Reserve today. It was like 8 to 1 or 10 to 1 for how much gold they held. And they said, this is stupid. First of all, let's just, let's just forget about this gold thing. This fractional reserve thing, it can work without the gold. We don't even need the gold. So screw the gold. Let's just go full fractional reserve. And they turned the money printer on in 1972. And by 1974, there was so much money floating around, those, those folks over in the Middle East got wind of that, and they said, look, this, this is stupid. Why are we charging $4 a barrel? This country has so much, these countries have so much money to spend, so they jacked it up just to see what the hell would happen. Okay, and they so got their oil I'm looking, bought. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article, and it looks like you're generally correct, just not with the dates. So that'd be in 1971. Apparently, they uh, they responded almost immediately after uh, we changed the uh, the dollar's value off of after we took it off the gold standard. So those oil prices. That's why I put that up because the oil prices themselves. There were spikes where they paid more. But overall, the average just started creeping up, and it didn't really jack up until 1974. Because that's when there was already two years of money, two and a half years of money printing going on. And that's where all this, this heyday took place, right? When I was nine years old, back in 1979, we went on a family vacation to Nags Head, North Carolina. And we had the caravan of cars because we had, you know, cousins, aunts, uncles, all of us. We all piled down into this beach house. And we were going down there. And gas stations, you could only get gas at certain stations, right? And it was the last digit of your license plate. If you had odd numbers or even numbers, you could only go to the gas stations that had odds or evens, right? That's how bad it was because they jerked these prices up so high in 1974 that by 1979, 1980, there was, there was a shortage. And the... The money that we were spending on that oil was insane, and it drained the U.S. economy. So they raised interest rates, which is why some of those people were really lucky back then. They could get CDs and bank accounts that paid 10% interest, right? And because interest rates were so high, house prices went way down. My dad ended up buying his house at that point 
he paid forty thousand dollars for his house, and it's it's worth three hundred thousand today. You know, but it, it, the, all those economic levers take place, and what you don't realize is when you have your your money supplies, you have M one money, you have M two money, and when those M M two money supplies is kind of what what takes us on these roller coaster rides how much money is in the system how much are they printing how much is being used how much is going overseas how much is being used as a global reserve i mean so many of these factors all go into it all right so i want to pull this back to our tweet that we started out with because we're going to be ending soon we've been talking about a very boring subject and um talking about a tweet which could be considered very boring. Um, and I, I, I want to briefly touch on how this uh, works with crypto. But basically, this tweet is, we've, we've exchanged, we've talked about full reserve and fractional reserve. And basically, what we're starting to find out is that the U.S. federal government really likes the idea of using a very risky fractional reserve system instead of a less risky full reserve system, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But I would think that a risky fractional reserve system gives them, as we've been talking about, gives them power. It also can create money faster, right? Faster. Because, right. Okay. So the Fed just pushes a button and loans the government money, right? Whereas it takes a while for that money to trickle down to the everyday user like you and me through loans and things like that. Because they have to inject the banks then with the money and then the banks have to go market their loans. Whereas if you have the banks doing it, it's instant, right? You create that money out of thin air and you go directly uh, into... Um, it goes directly into the economy. You can have it almost the same day. So basically the federal government is using this fractional reserve system to pump up the economy really fast is what you're saying. Really fast. It gets into your hands fast, just like those stimulus payments. Okay. Did. So let's, let's, let's bring this all the way back to crypto because this is a crypto show. How does crypto threaten that? Crypto threaten... Yeah, you mean the Fed? Yeah. Oh, can't control crypto, right? Well, they they can. You can see them trying right now. Um. So, the the power of that money is who controls the supply of it. That's where the that's where the power comes from. And if the government isn't controlling the Gala coin. And people are making money on it and everything else and able to make economic decisions without the Fed being involved, they lose all their power. So things like Bitcoin and when they make Bitcoin in El Salvador legal tender, it takes that power, in essence, that economic power away from the government. They can't control things as easily. That's why it, it, they're, they're mad at crypto. They're... They don't understand. They don't even care about the tech behind it or, or how it improves people's lives or anything else. All they care about is losing control. And so right now the, they're losing a ton of control with crypto. And why is the rest of the world having less problems with crypto than the United States? It's because the United States has uh, 
has the reserve currency? That's part of it, I'm sure. Um, the other part of it is that they, they do have you kind of by the short hairs here because the UK is the same way. The UK is is even better at using financial levers uh, with their people. You've heard about in Europe, you have your universal health care, right? Well, that comes from everybody paying more in taxes. They have a tax for this, a tax for that. You have to have a permit to have garbage, okay? You have to have a television permit to watch the airwaves, like the free stations you get. You have to buy a license in order to watch BBC. They collect revenue on all that stuff. So their economic levers are different than ours. You have a country that is so far in debt to the IMF and to the rest of the world, like El Salvador, and then they took all that money for all those years, and now suddenly they go, you know what? No, fuck you. Go away. We're now on the Bitcoin. So not only can they pay off those loans if they want to, but they're not reliant on those loans anymore. So it's about power. They don't. Yeah, there's nothing the world, the IMF can't ask for favors when they're on their own with Bitcoin. They'll say, fuck you, go do, your, well, go do why, this why somewhere the, else. Why does the IMF need to be there at all then? They don't. That's the problem. See, that that is a big threat to them. What's what's they, their purpose? What's the purpose of the IMF? To make money and well, to have no, no, power. No, it's, no, it's, everybody has a it purpose. It also controls... It also controls purpose? I don't know what that word means. Um, everybody's purpose is to make money. Why is the I? Why does the IMF exist? That's a great question. Okay. I would assume. So let's 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 talk you know? about the IMF. I, I was trying to yeah, give you talk a softball deeper. here. No, so. no, talk. To, I don't know enough about the IMF to talk too intelligently. I know so the basics. The IMF, you could say, in one sense, is a lot like the FDIC, where where they. Um, give money and allow money to, to go to different countries for, for various reasons. So if El Salvador needed money because they're going to be insolvent for whatever, the country itself, the IMF would arrange to get, get money to them, say from other company countries, or they might reach, reach within their own money, their own funds to, uh, to give money to El Salvador. If El Salvador bank, uh, does things correctly, like maybe they have a good human rights record, the IMF is more likely to loan them money. However, if they have a bad human rights record, then the IMF won't. Well, if El Salvador is using Bitcoin, then there's no way that the IMF can affect them whatsoever. Because they're, it doesn't matter. They, they're not needed. So it's the International Monetary Fund. They're, they're, they give money to, to other countries and money and loans. How much did the IMF give to Ukraine? Oh, I don't know. I'm not an IMF expert. I'm just telling you just a general Well, idea that's a that's a is. great question because everybody seems to be giving Ukraine money. How come not the IMF? Or so are the they? The IMF we just here don't on their page says that they work to achieve sustainable growth and prosperity for all of its 190 member countries. It does that's a so lot of countries. by supporting economic policies that promote financial stability and monetary cooperation, which is basically what I said, which are essential to increase productivity, job creation, and economic well-being. So there, the IMF is saying we're here to give money to countries that do what we want. Yeah, be my friend. You rub my back, I'll rub yours, baby. 
Well, uh, in one sense, they're they're um, performing a buffer or, or or plugging a hole in our monetary system, where, I mean, you have all these fractional reserve banks, and you don't want banks to go under. You have the FDIC. If you don't want company countries to go under, you have the IMF that can help them out. So you have all these entities out there that are are there to prop up other people, and really, it's just power transfer. It's like, okay, now El Salvador has given up some of its power because they need money to stay in business. But well, yeah, they go, and... if they use Bitcoin, then all of a sudden they don't need any loans. Nobody can affect them. Global trade is part of that too. They can, they can enhance your global trade, right? Yeah. And the businesses that you produce in your raw materials, your commodities, your coal, uh, your diamonds, your your gold mining, all of that stuff goes into that. Yep. So anyway, um, that was today's extremely boring cast about money. I guarantee that this cast will get a lot less people watching because nobody really likes to know about how money works. And we, we've only really scratched the surface. But yeah. it's why crypto exists, is to give an alternative to money that's controlled by countries so we have on thursday nate should be back with us betty should be back with us and friday is our big end of the month and end of the quarter gala in review show so you're gonna you're gonna say whether whether gala has met your predictions or not whether they oh i i've i've read i've read cfa today and I've got the report in already that they admitted on the town. No, 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 no. And... Okay. No, no, no. All right. Until next time. I mean, why, why are people going to watch that? <laughs> They're not going to watch that show if, if you tell them here. That's true. That's true. We'll make so, them wait or at least go read CFA. One of the they, two. They could. People can actually find out this information <laughs> beforehand, but are they going to? I don't know. They enjoy the hearing my luscious voice every Thursday and Friday. Well, they, they like to hear your conspiracy theories. Speaking of conspiracy theory, don't you have a conspiracy show or something? Yes, we do. Uh, Nate and I, start, Forged in Crypto and I, started a show called Rethink Theory, where we're hitting the uh, views of not so much conspiracies per se, but the the things in the world that just don't make sense. We're doing some critical thinking. We're throwing some opinions out. Faz will be joining us to to talk about some of those things, what, what I'm sure. Well, we're doing it Thursday after the shows. Okay. Yeah, then I'll be available. So so yeah, you can you can join us when when uh you feel the need to try and rebuff some of what we think on that libertarian side and since, we'll take since it from it's your there. show you could just mute me or shout me down i'll, nah. I'll just little, little tidbits there listen you've been you've been far too good to me over the two years on this one letting me run my yip i i owe you letting you run yours mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so um thank you guys for for hanging out with us for a while and uh we are going to see you next week we'll see you later Where's where's the uh, the button? I think. La this button. is the button.